Welcome to the Razan Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 58. I'm Joel Payne. I'm Sam Hargreaves. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be dissecting the classic song, King of Kings, Majesty, and we'll be delving deep into the songwriting process as we reflect on writing our very first book together. Oh. Oh. It was really fun, Sam. I I never imagined that we would be writing a romantic uh, novel together, (laughs) but it's finally happened. I've got so many things going through my head now, and I can't say. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not like this is on the BBC or anything, but I just feel like I trust... Yeah, anyway. Compose yourself. Um, yeah, just for listeners who are wondering, it's probably not as romantic as... I'm sure it's a very romantic process for Sam, but it, uh, it is a book on songwriting. <laughs> We're going to be talking about that later in the show. It's very exciting news. Um, but in between times, let's catch up on what's been going on. Sam, um, I noticed that you had a few days away last week. Oh, yeah? Uh, there's went... something I wanted to ask you about it. Yes. Where did you go? That was went I to, to Whitstable. Nice, Whitstable. Where is Whitstable? Does it sound like South Coasty? Yeah, it's um, yeah on that little lump that sticks out where the sort of Thames estuary thing yeah, comes out of. Yeah, lovely. Um, I saw a thing on Facebook uh, that Sarah had posted where you'd obviously been doing like a thousand piece jigsaw or something. She yeah. posted a thing with an unfinished jigsaw saying, sadly, two days isn't quite enough time to finish a jigsaw. Yeah. But there were like about 30 pieces left. Please tell me you've... You didn't just go. No, we right, didn't. We're going home. Pack we it up. I mean, it would have taken no, because... you about ten minutes. We didn't. Yeah, but finish we had it. to go. But we had to leave at no. eleven, and it was like, and it was just black. It was pointless. I mean, see, this is. I'm not like that sort of person. Sarah so was quite heartbroken that she couldn't finish it. Gosh, I'm a, li- a little bit sad. Oh well. Well, sorry about that. Anyway, what else have you been up to? Um, I went to see the Divine Comedy in concert. That was Ooh, good. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. He's only, a very good songwriter, I, I, I think. I didn't really know one Divine Comedy song. National Express. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're really, they're worth digging into, actually. They've got some really amazing, all of his songs are very sort of um, finely observed. So they tend to be about quite small things that he kind of, so the whole last album was about office politics. And uh, there's all sorts of fun stuff on there. Nice. Uh, that was good. Uh, but yeah, uh, on a more serious note, we went to uh, the Association of Christian Writers Day and taught taught that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yes. So we talked about uh, writing and songwriting and now our f- all that. Former copyright manager. Um, yes, Marilyn. Marilyn is, is involved with yes. that. Yes, she? she wasn't there on that day, but okay. she is involved with them. They're a good bunch. Uh, and then I got what coming are they? up. Sorry, what are they? I mean, I'm well, they've been writers. going for, I think it's about 50 years. Wow. Um, so they're not dissimilar to sort of Jubilate and Music and Worship Foundation in terms of, you know, it's really um, been going on for, uh, you know, a couple of generations now. And they basically support Christian writers. Um, they have regular days throughout the year, um, mostly kind of people writing books or poetry or prose. But they've got people within their ranks who wanted to write more for either songs and hymns or just stuff for worship. So we were trying to encourage them with that. But they're nice. a good bunch. And uh, coming up, I've got uh, the LST Songwriting Intensive Ooh, yeah. with me and Geraldine over this weekend. And Andy Flan is coming on Friday night to do a concert. So it should be good fun. Yeah, brilliant. It's, I bet uh, fascinating time to talk to Andy Flan. 
let's not talk politics, but if you want to talk uh, politics yeah. with anyone, Andy Flanagan is your manigan. He's the manigan. He, yes, he's the head of Christians in politics, so he should know something. Although yeah. um, I'm not is sure he's got an answer. Is he head of Christians on the left, or is it Christians in politics? Is he any different? He, he was the head of Christians on the left, and he yeah. has transitioned to being the head of all Christians in politics. Nice. Wow, so pretty exciting. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, although I'm not sure anyone has an answer to our current travails, apart no. from possibly Jesus. Uh, how about you, Joel? I've been doing some fun stuff. I went to Durham Diocese a few weeks ago. Um, Simon Bray, our chair of trustees, mm-hmm. uh, is also a worship leader. Uh, I'm a sort of former in the sense that he was employed um, as a worship leader, music director. He's now the Archbishop of York's personal chaplain, which is a really um, completely different job. But <laughs> it sort of makes him like a real safe hands when it comes to mm. a diocesan conference. You want to get someone in who's kind of really at the heart of the Anglican Church, but also knows what he's doing in terms of worship leading. So he was asked to do that, and a few of us, me and uh, Chris and a couple of others, went along and uh, joined him in that. It was just really wonderful, uh, really wonderful in lots of ways. One was just seeing how uh, he, he shoehorned a certain amount of resound stuff in, but what he did, <laughs> just how apt and appropriate it is for that kind of situation. Mm. And um, also being part of a thing where they held a diocesan conference. So if this language means nothing to you people, the the Church of England and Anglican churches and others uh, are divided into dioceses, which are groups of churches. They're kind of regional. So Durham and York and other, you know, all, all sorts of different dioceses. And they gathered all the clergy over a weekend. So all the clergy gave their excuses for the Sunday morning. I just I've mm. never heard of that happening anywhere to say, right, this is the most important thing. We're going to gather for for building vision and community and all the rest of it amongst our team. So there were hundreds of people there. It was a really um, fantastic time. Uh, we closed entries on the Doxicology competition, not competition, Doxicology song search. Mm. Um, really so excited about it. I, I have now... Um, listened through all of them actually yeah i've been through all wow. of them um firstly so uh chris juby and i had a go through sort of the first half and we we sort of spent ages just listening to each one and trying to pick out you know even if as a song it we didn't think you know it was a go or was there something about it was there was there part of it we could pull out and, and work with so we're going to carry on doing that but we've basically got over 100 songs now that we're working with uh, which is super exciting, and that includes ones from um, from the Doxicology project. It include it's kind of kicked our writers into action. So suddenly, the Resound team are suddenly writing loads of songs because I think they're thinking, "Hang on a minute, I might not get on, on this if I don't <laughs> pull my finger out." So there's a bunch of new songs. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just tremendously excited about this. There's just so much potential potential for it, and so we're starting to now talk about how we're actually going to do the um, the recording and and the whole process of the project through to actually releasing something and we got one or two pretty pretty exciting ideas which are completely tentative at the moment so mm. maybe i can give a bit more information on the next podcast but that is a a thing that is ongoing ongoing a key thing over the next couple of months is going to be uh funding we've got to find funding and I, yeah. i'm really i'm pretty confident that we'll be able to find some grant funding for it um and we can't we just can't really crowdsource again um certainly not mm. this close to something we've just in but there may be someone listening who says ah but i know of a pot of money or i i just i've got an idea how you could get some yeah. kind of substantial funding for this so it would really be interesting hearing from you if you are that kind of person um we've got a couple of new christmas songs coming out which is super exciting Woohoo! worship has for a few years been the place you come for new christmas songs and now you've all sung them all 
So we've written a couple more. And a lovely one from Marcus, which will stick on the end of this show. And then I've been writing with Matt Weeks. So that's been really fun. Um, oh, great. Weeks and I have been trying to do a bit of co-writing together, um, which is a, a sort of a very obvious idea in lots of songwriting circles, but less obvious in the resound circles, because most of us come mm. into this as a sort of complete songwriter. So our version of co-writing is to is to collaborate and critique and, and so on. But with yeah. with um, Weeksy and myself, we've taken it more on a, I'm going to write some words, he's going to write a tune, and then we'll bounce those back and forth between this kind of idea. So I had written some words for a Christmas song that just wasn't quite coming about, sent them over. He came up with the most beautiful tune. Yeah, um, cool. And that should appear as well. So those, those couple of songs will appear sometime in the next couple of weeks. Um, so if you're thinking about, you'd like something new for Christmas services and so on, and you can hold out, then do because they are they're goodies. I think they're goodies. Brilliant. Um, yeah. And then the final thing to say is in the uh, the world of catch ups that we are going to be relaunching the twelve song challenge. Twelve song challenge from the first of January. Nice jingle. We, yeah, it's a good jingle. Um, we're going to relaunch it from the first of January. We've got some some plans for how we're going to revamp it a little bit, make it a bit more peppy and exciting and enticing and all those kind of things. It's really been one of the best things we've done over the last few years, that 12-song challenge. Mm. Um, for ourselves, you will have seen, uh, those of you who follow us regularly, that Sam and I have written more songs as a result and actually been able to do stuff with some of them. Um, so it really works from our point of view, but also we've, it's been part of building community and we're gradually yeah. drawing in this kind of community from uh, certainly around the UK and actually um, around the world as well, uh, particularly um, with some friends in the States. So we're going to be building in some new things like um, make it much easier to register and so on by getting more of it automated online. Um, we are, we're going to build in some kind of incentive for um, mm. people who complete it. Because there does tend to be a bit of a drop-off. Yeah. Um, I was very pleased myself. I managed every month last time, this time. Um, so we've got a kind of, we're going to have a bit of a plan that there is going to be an incentive that you can only get if you post a song every month and comment on something every month. Yeah. Um, so we're going to build that in as well. Um, so those of you who've been involved in the past, we'll, we'll definitely send you an email about it. Other Other folks, in the next couple of weeks, some of that's going to start coming online. So keep an eye on our website um, and uh, also listen to the December issue of the podcast and we will tell you much more about it. But we're very excited. Can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be great. Let's correspond with some correspondence. Um, I ha- oh, Can I say at this point that every month I come around to do the correspondence bit and I think to myself, I've got this lurking feeling that somebody emailed me about something. And you, you know when you think, right, i just got to go into my Gmail and try and think of a search word that is going to take me to that email. And the problem is every, every email I send has the word podcast at the bottom of it. So that doesn't work. So it is quite possible that you might have sent something really uh, intelligent and insightful, and I lost it in my podcast and I in my sorry in my inbox. So in which case I apologise, um, but I do usually reply. So um, at least we've engaged to some extent. <laughs> I could be wrong, but anyway, I thought I'd uh, pick out though. It's slightly easier to search on Twitter. Um, 
and uh, had a couple of reviews for the album on Twitter, just to sort of in, within a tweet, within how many characters it is these days. Um, and Andrew on Twitter said, really enjoying the Resound Worship new live album. Singable, deep, holistic, congregational, diverse, Christ-centric and classy production. Give it a listen. Nice. Thanks, That's pretty Andrew. good, because we had six-word review, and he's taken it up to seven, well, seven-point review. Singable, deep, holistic, congregational, diverse, Christ-centric and classy production. So thanks, Andrew. Really appreciate that. Faye on Twitter said, Of the 12 tracks, I can really only see four that are particularly congregational for various musical reasons. I'm starting to think the test for being a congregational song is to sing it without instrumental accompaniment and see if how it works. Meanwhile, good diversity! Exclamation mark. So thank you, Faye, for taking the time and the trouble. And I actually saw... I've got a bit of a, a kind of view into the back end. I can see who is actually... And Faye really did engage with it and went in and looked mm. and got the, the lead sheets and stuff and went through them and stuff. So we'd love to have persuaded Faye that more of them were genuinely congregation, but really appreciate her... Um, I feel like you and I have had this conversation in the past, Joel, where I've said oh, that, whom? that if it if it doesn't work without accompaniment, it it's not. And I think you came back to me and said, well, that's not necessarily true because... You know, there are there are folk tunes, there are all sorts of very singable songs that just don't necessarily hold together that well without accompaniment. Um so I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I mean it'd be interesting to see if they felt the we, we were very intentionally pushed towards the congregational thing on the uh, Songs for Sundays album. Yeah. I wonder if she would feel that they were any better. Mm. Um but I also think, you know, we we taught those songs to the congregation on the day and they sang them all with great gusto. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, she she may be coming just from a different kind of perspective, but I, I'm i not sure. I, I think we, we on this album, we've tried to make the production and the musical accompaniment a bit more interesting and a yeah. bit more uh, contemporary sounding, but I'm not sure that it takes away from the songs themselves, but she's obviously very welcome to her opinion. Yeah. And it's, you know, I was be- reflecting on that thought about how is, can you sing it without accompaniment, a good test of it being congregational? And I'm going to say no, although I think it is a very good test hmm. because clearly a congregation is not just singers. So a, a congregation is singers and musicians um, and that, and always has been really. So, the idea of unaccompanied being the true test is a test of a melody and and a is a test of a kind of implicit harmony mm. um but also you can learn a song that doesn't really have any melody enough with instruments and then sing it without and it's perfectly singable and so on but also i just think it, it what we mustn't do is say that the musicians don't count, are not part of the congregation because i think they are so maybe i would put it differently i would say it I, maybe the test is that it needs a congregation, and that's kind of different. So, would that work? A song where if it, a song could be so uncongregational that, frankly, it doesn't need a congregation to sing it, it will still work. You can still do it with the performers or the whatever, the musicians and the choir and so on. So, the, uh, for something to be congregational, then the congregation has to be a key element in the execution of that song. And, they, and therefore they have to be able to perform their role just as well as the electric guitarist or the organist or the choir or whoever else. But they have to be, they're all components of it. Yeah. I would just, I don't know. I would say almost regardless of the of the musical accompaniment, the, to, to me the true test of it, whether it's congregational is can a congregation sing it confidently? Mm. And really the rest, the rest of the question is, 
is to me that doesn't actually necessarily impact whether or not it is congregational if a congregation can sing it confidently you know you, you might say other things about it you might say well it's it's not an a cappella song yeah um but yeah interesting yeah totally good stuff thanks folks keep sending you reviews we, like, we enjoy them it's good yes please let's dissect classic dissect a classic this month we're going to dissect the classic song King of Kings Majesty by Jared Cooper. Uh, this is a song that has been around for a number of years now, I would say. I didn't actually check, but I, I have a slightly um, photographic memory for song dates. So I'm going... Oh, this is tricky. Like I want to say 1996. Someone Google it. It's 1996! It's 1996, Sam! I got it! Yes! Sovereign lifestyle. In your face, sovereign lifestyle. (laughs) Did you ever listen to Nicky Campbell on Radio 1 back in the day when you and I were young? I must have done, And he used to do this thing where he'd always guess people's star signs when he was talking to them on. (laughs) Well, I I can't do that, but I can do do your song. (laughs) Copyright date. <laughs> uh, so here's the song. Yeah, so 23 years old these days. Um, I, I've done a little bit of research on it, as usual, it's, and found various places where Jared Cooper talks about the song. Interestingly, he doesn't have a great deal to say about it in the things that I found. And it's mm. partly because he says, and I got this from a, an interview with um, Diane Louise Jordan for Radio 2, that he wrote it in about 10 or 15 minutes. He was just like, right, I'm going to write a song. Yeah, I've written a song. And... And there's not a great deal more to say about it other than <laughs> other than that. Um, uh, he does uh, say that he, you know, he wrote it and he thought, oh, this is all right. He thinks he's written better songs. He's not entirely sure why this is the one that's caught on. Mm. Um, and also just in one of the interviews, just kind of reflecting on this idea that he's a kind of a, uh, even though he's written lots and lots of songs and they are on albums and other places, really this is the only one that most normal people like us have heard of. Mm. And... Um, he said, somebody once asked me, what's it like to be a one-hit wonder? I said, better than a no-hit wonder. <laughs> I thought that was a good answer. <laughs> Absolutely. Really good. So, uh, Sam, do you want to give us a little a little sing of a half a verse or a oh, chorus? Oh, right. Yeah, hang on. Yeah, come on. <clears throat> Here we go. I've got a bit of a cold, so... Mm, perfect. You know, it's going to be glorious. King of kings... Majesty, God of heaven, living in me, gentle Savior, closest friend, strong deliverer, beginning and end, all within me. Falls at your throne, your majesty. I can but bow, I lay my all before you now. In royal robes, I don't deserve, I live to serve. Your Majesty. Yay! Thanks, Sam. Nice one. 
Um, let's uh, pick out some, as we usually do in this section, in case you're new to it, we pick out some stuff we think makes it a classic, and then we have a little go at how we would improve it. So mm. where do you want to start us off, Sam, with some things that you think uh, have contributed to its status as a bona fide one-hit classic? I think at the time, 96, I think that <clears throat> reverence was an underserved theme at that time. Mm. Um, I remember there's a lot of focus on intimacy, sort of Matt Redman, Delirious, you know, yeah. Jesus closer than a lover, all that stuff. Mm. And I think this song says, now hang on, it sort of puts the focus on God's majesty, kingship. Um, and then it does co sort of contrast that with, you know, the God of heaven living in me. Mm. So you've, you've got the sort of um, God's greatness and power and also his his intimacy, but the focus is is really on the sort of majesty element, um, and so I think that that probably meant that people went, ah, oh, there's something to 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 grab onto when we want to, and the the sort of style of it is a sort of classic kind of worship ballad, yeah, uh, but the the lyrics are very much about that sort of awe and reverence of God, and I think that that probably touched a nerve at the time, yeah, um, and I think it has that classic thing we've talked about many times of a kind of the inhale in the chorus or the sort of the focus on God, sorry, in the verses, having that kind of focus on God, who he is, it's very much sort of singing to God and describing his greatness and his majesty. And then the chorus is the sort of exhale of, oh, and my response is, yeah. I can but bow, I lay myself down, you know, I live to serve. So it's kind of having said all this truth about God, we then kind of in the chorus make a response. It's a winning songwriting formula, isn't it? That, I mean, that's just... You want to write a song which has a, a a decent dynamic in it, then that's yeah, it's a winner. Yeah, and then musically, um, I think that the chorus, uh, that sequence. So when you take a sort of melodic shape and then you just move it up or down. So Your Majesty, I can but bow, I lay my arm before you now. Is that that shape of da 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 da? Yeah, that's very uh, easy to catch on to, and you've got the sort of nicely moving descending bass line underneath that so i think that's very pleasing to sing it's um it's not boring yeah but it's it's predictable for a congregation to go yes i get where this is going because you're repeating the same shape it's like by the second note of the first repetition if you like you know where yeah. this thing's going yeah definitely i know where this is going yeah exactly i got it hang on i bet it goes yeah yeah brilliant so yeah absolutely repetitive but also moving on a journey still yeah 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 they it does some classic songwriting techniques here most of which i you very much doubt in the 10 or 15 minutes jared was had sort of written a list of must do this must do that must do this but some of it it does happen in songwriters doesn't it you just kind of intuitively you, you yeah. respond to the kind of style that makes sense to you yeah absolutely yeah um, yeah i mean i agree in terms of it's really interesting that analysis about how intimacy was the thing in the 90s that all the um, contemporary worship songs so much about that um mm. and that this begins with this kind of majestic idea and i kind of like that the chorus has if you like a slightly more realistic view of intimacy mm. um i was reading something um doing this oh no i was preparing for a sermon this week about um uh, some jesus encounters with people in luke and uh peter when he first encounters jesus his response to hang on a minute i'm in the presence of of god here is to, mm. is to crouch down 
kind of shield himself and say, get away from me, I'm a sinner. It's mm, kind of, mm. it's a fall down. And it has this kind of idea of, and it's not put in such um, gritty terms here, it's slightly sweeter, but, but nonetheless, it's a kind of, in the presence of his majesty, it's not to climb up on his knee, it's to fall down and mm. say, I just, I serve you. I just don't even know how you're letting me in here, Lord, because I don't, you know, royal robes I don't deserve. That's Peter. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I love, I was listening to Tim Keller talking about this and I just love, he said, you know, this thing with Peter and then he first encounters Jesus and this miraculous catch of fish and so on. He, he falls, you know, he kind of bows down and says, I am not clean, get away from me, because it just completely exposes his sinfulness. But then the transformation in Peter, that by the end of John's Gospel, exactly the same story happens, and Peter jumps out of the boat and swims for the yeah. shore to get close yeah, to him yeah, as yeah. soon as he can. It's just such a beautiful picture. Yeah, um, it's great. Th- there's also, it has a little pre-chorus in it, All within me falls at your throne, which is a, mm. I don't know what key I did that in, but that's a classic... Um, short pre-chorus it's just a single line that takes you from the verse into the chorus and notice again it's like it's like he's listening to our podcast start that (laughs) on two minor and you Mm. get just a sense of a little journey which is then going to take you through just harmonically attempting sometimes especially with pre-choruses to kind of string them out do two lines do a double repeat and so on there's something quite nice about the single line pre-chorus if you're going to do it um, and actually uses a repetitive thing, so all within me each time. And interestingly, mm. slightly different different words each time. But after that, but something that you kind of it's a hook, it's something to hang on to. And then the other thing I just wanted to pick out was the rhyme scheme. We talk about this sometimes, and how a an A A B B rhyme scheme is quite good for a series of statements, and an A B A B rhyme scheme or X B X B whatever you know, I is. Mm. A staggered rhyme scheme is better for a more flowing narrative in the song, for a yeah. kind of sentence that flows through. And when you look at this song, you realise it is just a its a bunch of statements. It's just yeah. King of Kings, Majesty, God of Heaven living in me. So it puts them in kind of discrete blocks, and it's a really well-used rhyme scheme mm. in that respect. But then there's an also another rhyming moment in the chorus, which is the... Um, is speeding up the rhyme right at the end of the chorus. So, yeah, Your Majesty, really I can but bow. I lay my all before you now. In royal robes, I don't deserve. I live to serve. That, when you do that, it focuses it. It gives more potency to that moment. Mm. Live to serve, and then Your Majesty. It just like sets it up for saying Your Majesty. Yeah, um, and bookending the chorus with the same two yeah, words, Your Majesty, yeah, just really yeah. hammers home the kind of the, the point of the song. So, it's a, I, I think this is a classic example of what a worship song that ticks lots of the boxes i'm not this is not to say it's the greatest but that mm. ticks lots of the boxes how they work together into something which you know I, i've sung it to death so i find it harder to mm. sing now um but it's just utterly singable and usable yeah totally totally um a few cons yeah go on him um you meanie I think mid-90s, we were a bit into those dotted rhythms. I think it might have been a Matt Redman thing again. Uh, I I started singing... King of kings, majesty, God of heaven, living in me. And I thought, to me, that would be much better. Interesting. It's, it's certainly... I think slightly easier for a congregation and I think it sounds to me a bit more contemporary. 
I don't think people would nowadays write da 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 no. da da. It, that's that's very. Um, but what that rhythm has is um, echo. It's like a quote of royal. Is that kind of that rhythm? It adds to that real sound. But you're right; it does sound dated, doesn't it? Bro? Yeah. So, and it's difficult because I don't think you could take it to a congregation that knew it and straighten it out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I it would never work. Most of the congregation would continue to sing it dotted. So um, that's one thing I would question. Also, what does it mean for all within me to fall at your throne? Mm. Um, I was driving home from this Durham Dyson conference with a doctor um, mm. uh, a couple of weeks ago whom I don't entirely remember why or how, but having to mention this song. And then he gave it some kind of medical condition name, like amongst the doctor community. There's a name for all within me falls. <laughs> falls on the floor. Isn't that what happens after a really bad curry? Yeah, that is not a great metaphor. Because <laughs> he doesn't actually mean all within me. He means all of me. And yeah. All within me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? I mean, having said that... I had never noticed that before we had that conversation. Yeah. And now, of course, I always will. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's funny, really, when you think... It's it's that thing that we do subconsciously, which is to, to assume that everything about worship is about the inner person. Yeah. So it's a, it's a... You know, when we sing, I'm falling on my knees, we don't mean we're literally falling on my knees. We mean in our, in our hearts, we're falling on our knees. <clears throat> yeah. And... Or for, or I feeling, think, falling on the knees of our hearts... Yeah, yeah. Just try and exactly. get it in a song. <laughs> Falling you know. on the knees of my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry. Yeah, so that's a funny line. Yeah. And then um, final nitpick is which person of the Trinity are we actually singing to here? There's a sense in which it's God the Father because of the sort of gloriousness god of heaven but then he's also the gentle savior which makes me think of jesus and the deliverer who brought the sinner near i'm gonna say i think it's quite clear oh well i think it's i think it's obviously jesus isn't it so jesus in in revelation he's on a thing that's called king of kings and lord of lords um a gentle savior is jesus Majesty, earth and heaven worship, faithful and true is Jesus, bought the nations, ransomed souls. That's something, again, it's kind of revelation language, Jesus. Okay. But I do see at the same time that there are sort of some slightly, it's a God, God. It's interesting it doesn't say Jesus, actually. I suppose that's yeah. why I why I default to thinking that it might not be, because I think when we talk about God, when the Bible uses God... Yeah. We tend to assume that we mean God the Father. Yeah, definitely. The Bible writers think that when they, you know. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, so yeah, I just wonder, you know, if he ever, I mean, if he knocked it out in 15 minutes, then probably not. But I wonder if he, you know, could have thought, should I be specific in talking about yeah. that it's that it's Jesus here? Uh, yeah, probably never crossed his mind, but. Yeah, that, that, I think it's a really helpful point. It's, it's exactly what happens in the, um, kind of the refining process of trying it out, bouncing it off some people and so on, and saying, you know, what is this? Um, <clears throat> what do you spot? What does this say to you? What what kind of comes out in a, in a funny way or not? 
Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good point. Um, I think you picked up most of the things I was going to say. Um, just just that thing of actually kind of road testing. Sometimes there's two things, aren't there? There's road testing with the congregation, and that does help you to pick up um, the singability of things. Mm. But it doesn't always help you with uh, whether you've quite got things either theologically right or or kind of lyrically non-ambiguous or, or other stuff because they weren't always necessarily engaged with it that way, which doesn't mean that it's not worth getting those things right. So, So it's worth running it by people who will take more of a critical view of it with yes. a, with the songwriter's eye because we've found that yes. haven't we i can sing stuff in my congregation and they will tell me certain things but i sing stuff with you and you'll tell me other things and those in combination yes. then i come yeah. up with a better song so the stuff like you know all within me falls at your throne might just say have you thought about that metaphor what exactly is the yeah um was it getting at uh the other thing i guess would be interestingly throughout it just puts an odd stress on majesty um, because whenever we say majesty, we always put oh, the, yeah. the, the stress on the first syllable, but throughout the song, it puts it on the last syllable. Um, it seems to work, and I think it's partly because of that ba 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 da majesty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got the, um, you know, like the bugle call, hasn't it? Um, and I think because of that stress, it somehow feels appropriate, even though it's it's not necessarily, but that would have been a thing I'd have said if they'd just come to me and sa- said, what do you think, Joel? It goes, Your Majesty, I can't, but bow. I would have said, Hey, have you thought about going, um, Oh, Lord, Your Majesty, I mm. can't, but bow, so that you put stress in the right place. But as yeah. always, when we do this on the podcast, we hear you all going, No, don't ruin don't the song. Don't change it. Don't change it. We can't change it anyway. Um, <laughs> but. Jared Cooper, thank you very much for a really fantastic song, which I have led in worship hundreds of times, I should think, and I've sung many times more. So it's, yeah, really great. Mm. So we are delighted to announce that we have written our first book, Joel and I, together. It's called How to Write Worship Songs, and it's published by Grove Books Limited. And... uh, Mark Erie is the series editor of the Worship series. They have lots of different series, but he is a lovely guy who we've known for a while, and Joel had a chat with him. This is just a quick insert to say that this didn't quite work out how we expected, and we didn't quite manage to line up the chat at the moment we hoped. So uh, what follows assumes we've just had an interview. Um, We'll leave you to imagine what might have been said, but we'll try and catch up with Mark another time. On with the podcast. So we now have this book in our hands uh, and it's been a little while in the making, uh, but Joel and I, uh, we decided that we wanted to structure it around kind of five points of the kind of process of writing a song. Some people are like, you know, Jared Cooper in the in the example where he just sort of knocks something off in 15 minutes and it's done. But actually for us, there's generally more involved. There's more to the process and everyone will be strong at one aspect of the process, but weaker at the other. But we've got these five points that we've structured the book around. Um, and it was quite fun, wasn't it, Joel? Uh, trying to trying to do this together. Yeah. Because obviously when you're writing on your own, you just kind of splurge it out and then maybe send it to an editor or something. But but we, we took a chapter each. Uh, and then do you want to explain any more? Yeah, of the I mean, we, we had a bit of a chat about a few, you know, the basic shape of it and what the chapters would be and a little bit of a chat around them. We know each other pretty well, so we would have used a lot of similar examples and things, wouldn't we? And then mm. said, okay, well, I'll write my word, my, my chapter, then I'll send it to you, and you do some editing, do some input. We, we had a little go at, at trying to literally edit, and then 
we went a bit more in for commenting and letting each other edit and so on. But that was the central idea. Um, uh, and then I think at the end, there is that process. I've done this with Sarah as well, where you can do that sending backwards and forwards and commenting. And But I think there does come a point where you literally both have to sit down either together or over Skype and read every single word. Yep. And Because the, the, otherwise, if you don't do that at the end of the process, it will become either Joel's book or my book because whoever gets the final say. Yeah, yeah. So actually reading it out loud again, is that sentence saying exactly what we yeah. wanted to say? Mm. That was a good way to kind of finalise it. That was super helpful. And then, <laughs> having done all that, you then have to send it to Grove Books for their input as well, which has been great. They've got a whole sort of team of people who who will sort of help mentor you and, and give you feedback. But But we got there. Yeah, we did. And actually, I went on holiday for the end. And just left Sam to do the interaction with Grove Books. He did, he did masterfully, which frankly was so much better because by that point, I mean, obviously I didn't want to have to do that bit anyway. But um, by that point, we bounced it back and forth enough between the two of us. It was, it was so much easier for you to just not have to refer to me and just make a call on their comments and get on with it. So very good. So should we chat through? Um, we just thought we'd briefly talk through the structure of it, what's in there, the, the basic message of the book, um, yeah. so you can find out a bit more about it. Um, so it could be quite interesting. Kicks off with an intro. Why write songs? Um, do you know, I think there are loads of reasons for um, for writing songs. And we list a few in the book. But the one for me that is the, the key thing is the idea of community. That, that essentially yeah. Christianity, to be a Christian is to exist in community. Worship songs are an expression of community. And community is organic. Community changes. Community is cultural. Community is all kinds mm. of things. And therefore... With the organic changing of community comes a time when you need new new catchphrases, if you like, new in yeah. jokes, new st- and and worship songs are a new uh, to just continually keep on writing. That makes so much sense if you're rooted in community. If you're not rooted in community, if church were not community, then I think there'd be far less need for for new worship songs because it would be ritual. It wouldn't be organic. Mm. Um, but I think it is. It's good. And then uh, so we start the journey in chapter two with Mm. sparking. Mm. And this came out of we've got different kind of visual images for each chapter, which, you know, we mix our metaphors horribly. Uh, But the first one is this idea of sparking. And I I was thinking about how the early people, you know, cavemen or whatever, they discovered fire probably because of lightning bolts coming from the heavens setting fire to things and then they sort of put their deer on it and went oh that actually tastes better when or we get we can get warm around this so it's a kind of discovery and i think that's a lot of people that's their experience of the first song they write is oh this sort of song just fell from the heavens or people have said to me before oh god gave me two songs years ago and he's never given me any since Mm. (laughs) and what i want to say to them is well that was maybe a free gift that was a kind of spark from the heavens but you've got to get into a habit Mm. of generating your own sparks Uh, and so there's then from then on in that chapter there's a whole load of creative habits that will help you to kind of generate sparks and that's i think you know what we found with the 12 song challenge as well it's Mm. those kind of exercises that actually spark something of a new idea is there one of those habits that has been particularly fruitful for you do you think i think the gaps right habitually looking for gaps constantly going what's the song that we need here what because to me you know I, i think so many songs repeat what's already been done yeah um and I, I will often listen to a song and go, that's great, but I already have 10 songs that do that. Yeah. Whereas when it's for a gap, when it's needed, you go, oh, you know, that that's actually useful. So then we move on to um, foraging, another metaphor. Um, do you know, for me, this one, the, 
the main thing that comes up here is this this thing of the uh, um, the restaurants in recent years. I don't know if it's still really a kind of vogue thing, but it was ten years ago. Was it Numa in um, Oslo or somewhere? I can't remember where they were based. Somewhere in Scandinavia. Right. And they basically their whole menu was based on going out into the forest and just finding what they could, and then making meals out of it. And that became you know this is the 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 big in thing, the idea of foraging. But, but what happened was they created a whole load of dishes no one had never had before mm. because they went and foraged to see what they could find. Mm. And it just, for me, so in the foraging section, we I, I talk about a bunch of different things you can do to go and gather resources from which you can build, and be it words, ideas, rhymes, melodies, and scriptures, etc. all these things. Mm. Uh, because if you don't do that, then you just write from within yourself. Yeah. You, you write based entirely, and all you write from a recipe, and, mm. and that's the the food idea carried on. Um, it's, it's and it's wonderful, you know. It's often, you know, when I cook. It's really good if I cook from recipes because then it tastes nice. <laughs> but if you want to write something original, you've yeah. got to forage. You've got to go yeah. outside yourself, which is hard sometimes if you are sort of a a personal self expression oriented kind of person. Yeah, because we are we are wired differently. Um, but you've got to get something to bring in. And that's what we try and get across and actually give some helpful examples of how you might do that, how you might prep your mood board or gather your mm. word palette or, mm. or other things you might do. Mm. Yeah, the the bit that I particularly found helpful from that was um, you wrote a little <coughs> section about foraging from the community and pointed out that, you know, Geraldine Latty's song that we love, um, Lord, You Hear the Cry, is very specifically about, you know, mm. examples of people in her community that, she obviously doesn't name them, but that's what she's drawing on. Um, and I recently have written a couple of things. We just started joining join this new church in um, in our area. And I've been writing songs just for that community. Mm. Uh, and I feel like that is, that's really, that's really got legs. You know, if we, you know, if we're writing very specifically for our local community, we will say things that you wouldn't, you wouldn't say otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and then so chapter four yeah. is the next stage of the process, and that is, uh, we just called it writing. writing. We tried various <laughs> metaphors, didn't we? Various metaphors, but then we were like, well, this is basically just the Bob nuts the and bolts of writing. This is yeah. doing it. Yeah. Um, so we talk about the kind of things you would expect, like rhyme, uh, familiarity and surprise, inhale and exhale, different sections. And this is really just wanting to give as practical advice as we can in terms of how do I, having sparked, having foraged, how do yeah. I just start to bolt this thing together? So, yeah, we just give a, a bunch of, of, of ideas and, and, and practical tips really there. And it's about what holds together, isn't it? I, I was thinking of the sort of construction metaphor. Um, you know, we built our own house a few years ago now mm. and um, we didn't have an architect for it. Which always worries people ever so slightly. Sam stayed here a few times. He's now a bit worried. Um, but we did get a structural engineer at one point. Uh -huh. or, or the builder right. got a structural engineer involved. Because you have to for the roof to make sure it's... Actually, essentially to make sure the thing is not going to fall down. Yeah. Um, and that's quite an important... That's, that's part of this thing, isn't it? In this chapter, actually. is a bunch of kind of structural engineering things. Mm, like... Mm. Um, the macro structure of verses and chorus and things, but also the way that rhymes hold it together. So it, it is the thing going to hold together, and there are ways of doing it which are solid and, yeah. and structurally so strong, and there are ways of doing it that are less solid and structurally strong. Mm. And then you know, so in order to get well balanced, well well constructed 
um, song. I kind of, I particularly like that, that the whole inhale, exhale thing. It's something we've talked about mm. a lot. And songs don't have to have inhale and exhale per se, although mm. it's a really helpful thing in worship songs. But I think they have to have some kind of internal dynamics. And that's an example of it, isn't it? There's something, there's a <clears throat> dynamic, there's an ebb and flow, there's a shape, mm. there's a journey, whatever it is, within a song. It's not mm. just static. It's not just on one line. And if you just look at my song, is it flat? Is it one dimensional? Is it just doing the same thing all the way through? Or does it have internal dynamics? And if it does, then you've got something that is just so much more engaging um, yeah. as a result. Yeah, that's good. Chapter five, we got on to nurturing. Um, and this comes from the, the, the metaphor here is, is that of having a, you know, a child is born and you say, well, beautiful child, but the job is not finished. It's a lot of work in getting it to that stage, but actually the job mm-hmm. is not finished. And actually when a child is born, you expect to still be heavily involved in nurturing that child to become fully the person they're going to become. And it's a, it's a great metaphor for a song because... Almost anything that you create and you produce, um, you can. It's kind of first emerges, and then and then there's this job of nurturing it. And I, you know, I've been learning increasingly that um, you know Huck started school in um, September, and now he spends an awful lot of his time with people we don't really know. There are a lot of people contributing to his nurturing now. Yeah, and he suddenly learning to read out of nowhere, and these kinds of things, and. Um, you realise that actually nurturing where you don't keep something to yourself, but in that kind of it takes a village to raise a child kind of way, nurturing where you involve lots of other people, you see you see magic happen. I, you know, I feel mm. like we we sit there at the, the breakfast table now <laughs> with Huck and his little reading book, and it's just like suddenly he can... It's like watching magic happen in front of you, but it, yeah. we, we can never get there on our own. Um, so bringing in other people. And so the, the nurturing thing, uh, mainly we just list a whole bunch of the key um, lessons we've learned from doing this together. What are the kind of common things? Where when you play your song to someone else, they will say, oh, have you thought about this? That doesn't seem to work and so on. And they're to do you know, kind of top 10 tips of ways to refine your song. You can do it on your own. But if I have to get across an absolute key message, it's I mean, sure, do those things yourself because, you know, writing and rewriting and redrafting is constantly refining but get someone out, at least one other person get some people involved and watch yeah. the magic happen it's kind of been the key the key finding of resound doesn't yeah. it really the community aspect of it if if there's one thing we're good at it's nurturing and you know helping one another to get past that sort of oh it's 80 percent done that'll do no 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 that last 20%, that's really what's going to yeah. make the difference. And I, you- and I would say for co-writers, I would want to encourage that even when you do co-writing, you still do the nurturing. Yeah. Kind of like co-parenting. You know, it's a very modern <laughs> expression. But, you know, you you still actually benefit from bringing other people into it. And sometimes you might think, well, it's a co-write, we've done it together, we've kind of done this bouncing it off thing. But actually, you still really benefit from just from putting it out there and getting some some feedback and bringing it in and refining it together Uh, the tip that i liked particularly was you talk about martin leckerbush's idea of that he just to check the meter and the scan um he will just read the first line of each verse of his hymn yeah and check that they have the same and then read the second line of each verse i never thought to do that but to do it out loud you would immediately Mm. just pick up on so much oh it doesn't quite you know and you want that especially in a hymn, but I think yeah. in a worship song too, you want that consistency. It tells you a bunch of stuff, doesn't it? It tells you, yeah. you know, you read one and 
and you think, oh, mate, that's really worse. And then you read the next one, you think, yeah, I've, it may scan, but I've just filled the syllables. <laughs> you can hear the contrast yeah. between yeah. the So I think, yeah, really helps. And then finally, um, Sam, you, you, you headed up the chapter on, um, we called it releasing. Yeah, so I think that really we wanted basically to get across the idea that there are lots of different ways you can share your song uh, from taking it to your home group or your you know worship team at church all the way through to kind of releasing it internationally and actually all of those ways are equally valid and and actually some songs you know that they'll be perfect for you know the local or people's home or whatever and other songs you know may or may not go go further but actually you know that not to kind of judge one versus the other but just to say here's a whole bunch of different ways you could get your songs out there mm. i was really struck this last month when we had all these songs come in for doxicology so we put out this challenge and we've said songwriters everywhere write something on themes of ecology the environment um creation christian hope and you know we've got over 100 songs now and it's not over 100 writers but it must be at least 80 or 90 writers mm. um those 80 or 90 people have now engaged with this subject in within a framework of worship and that mm. uh, and that in itself is really important but and so they will have grown through it but now they've written stuff which you know this not all going to go through our doxicology project we haven't got room for it all yeah. it's not going to we know that's not the case but each one of those writers is in a local church somewhere where they now have an expression and frankly they have a song which they probably don't have any other songs like that they could use now and i just think i find that such a powerful idea that yeah. that i now know there are songs out there that can bless local churches everywhere regardless of what happens now with this project now we will try and mm. collect what we think are the most um widely useful yeah and even not necessary to call it the best but the most widely useful and put them out there um but one of but but just to reinforce the idea that just such a key place for a song you've written is your context um mm. and i thought I, I really appreciated the little section on being intentional about teaching the song mm. and basically to say look if you are a, a songwriter in a local church and you've written a song if you just whack it on and start singing it and expect people to react the same way they do when you do a Bethel song that they've all been listening to on the whatever christian radio they they won't and it would be it'll mm. just be a disappointing experience um so you know accept that this is and also because it, if it's written by you then it is a community thing so get communal in it mm. Don't, mm. don't be uncommunal what's the word for uncommunal i don't know uh, you uniunal be <laughs> don't be it because actually that's the beauty of your your thing it's your song then actually you know don't how we'll have your eyes on heaven the moment you introduce it Jesus yeah. is there with you in the room. Talk to yeah. each other. Hey, I've got this yeah. new song for you. I'd love to share it with you. This is how it goes. Sing it back for me. Great, let's do it. That will actually give you a, a context for the song, which allows it to be the best it can be, I think. Mm. You start. can't see me now, but I'm doing preacher hands. I've been doing this for the last <laughs> 10 minutes. I've did, oh, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Amen. So, folks, that's the uh, just kind of the, the potted story of it. Um, you'll be able, you can get copies of it from the Grove website. You can get them from the Engage Worship website. You can get them from the Resound Worship website. Um, and uh, we'd love to give one away. We thought we might have a little go, a little uh, competition for you listeners. So here's the thing you've got to do. It's really easy. Um, between now and the 15th of November, if you tweet or post or anything like that about our podcast 
anything. You can say it's rubbish if you want. <laughs> um, and you make sure that you include at Razan Worship in it, or you, you know, we can actually see it when we look for it. And it does flag us. Then we will pick one of those, slightly at random, and um, we'll give you a free book. How about that? And we, when you say post, you mean on Facebook? I don't mean by uh, don't don't post us a letter. Yes, so post on Facebook, <laughs> but you you don't mean any other of those fangled new oh. places that the young people go on snappity chat. No, they or do. <laughs> Instagram or something. Yeah, you can do Instagram. You can, can do you? Twittergram. Yeah, or you can do Facegram. Facegram. If you knew Snapcham, Gram, <laughs> we might not see it. Bebo. MySpace. I don't, I don't think they still exist, do they? I'm just. Being I mean, favourite is Friends Reunited. Yeah, if you can hit yeah. that. If you get, if you can get something on Friends Reunited, does Friends Reunited still exist? It there was a thing, does. wasn't there, that somebody bought it for loads of money, um, foolishly. Uh, anyway, yeah, <laughs> post something. On. We're going to keep our eye out on the social media channels but we'd just be instagram twitter and facebook make sure you've you log us in it somewhere or tag us or quote us or some you know those kind of things and we'll send our little um elves out to search for that so do that before the 15th of november and we'll send you a book that's all we've got time for this month one more podcast coming up in december we'll fully launch the next 12 song challenge there so you know all about what to do and what to sign up but do keep an eye on our website um for that do get in touch with us email podcast at resoundworship.org on twitter at resoundworship or on facebook forward slash resoundworship.org and all that remains is to introduce our featured song of the month which is a brand new christmas song by marcus paganum it's gentle it's simple uh, it's a beautiful song built around the idea that jesus is born on the earth as heaven's invitation to us and this is an exclusive first listen uh, and the song should be available very soon so keep an eye out on our website and our social media channels for that until next time happy november bye Come and see the Saviour Heaven's invitation Image of the Maker Lying in a manger Angels fill the sky Singing in the night Glory on high Come and see the Saviour Heaven's invitation Sing glory on high Sing glory on high Come see Heaven's invitation Come and see Savior, hope of all creation, healing for the nations, mercy for the stranger, taken by surprise, shepherds see the sign and worship the Lamb. Come and see the Savior, hope of all creation.
of the ages perfect gift from heaven given now to save us following the star wise men from afar pour out their praise come and see the savior promise of the ages And pour out your praise And pour out your praise Come see heaven's invitation